All right, Acts chapter number 11 this morning, the book of Acts chapter number 11. We're going to continue on in our series on real Christianity. This is lesson number three in our series. If you've missed the previous two, I'd encourage you to go back and watch it on Facebook or on YouTube. Also, the handouts are on the church website, rbcstjoe.com, under the download section. And so you can follow along and take notes. I will have a disclaimer this morning uh, for... uh, all our Sunday school teachers, there is no guarantee that I will get through this whole lesson today. So don't judge me, Brother Bob. Don't judge me uh, if I don't get all the way through it uh, today. But I definitely want to take our time as we look at this topic this morning. So Acts chapter number 11, and we're going to begin reading kind of in the middle of the chapter in verse number 19 to set the stage for our topic this morning. Uh, two weeks ago, we started a series called Real Christianity. Understanding that Christianity is a relationship and not a religion. So understanding that, uh, we've talked the last couple of weeks about who Jesus Christ is. We've done some disclaimers. Uh, and then this morning, we're going to look at this topic, the first real Christians. And the subtitle could be said like this, regular people encounter radical truth. And what we're going to look at this morning is the truth of Christianity and the reality of what it really is and what it represents So let's begin reading in verse number 19 to kind of set the stage for where we're going to be at. Uh, I will say this, go ahead and mark Acts chapter number 11, and we are going to be uh, looking at a lot of passages of Scripture this morning to build this case on Christianity, what it is, and uh, ultimately what the definition of Christianity is. So in verse number 19, look what the Bible says. It says, "Now Now they which were scattered abroad upon the persecution that arose about Stephen traveled as far as Phoenicia and Cyprus and Antioch, preaching the word to none but unto the Jews only. So Stephen, we know, just to kind of bring us up to speed, was a, uh, a deacon in the early church. He was a man of God. He had a walk with God, had a relationship with God. We know this, that he was stoned uh, because of his faith and because of his stand on the word of God. In verse number 20, it says, And some of them were men of Cyprus and Cyrene, which, uh, when they were come to Antioch, spake unto the Grecians, preaching the Lord Jesus. And the hand of the Lord was upon them, and a great number believed and turned into the Lord. So we see that because of the persecution, because of Stephen's faith, because of Stephen's stand, that the word of God is traveling, it's multiplying. And we're going to kind of get a little ahead of myself here, but we know this, that in Acts chapter number 11, the gospel is getting spread out, not just in Jerusalem, not just in Judea, but it's, it's moving beyond those borders, if you would, reaching on out. And the Bible tells us here that there were those that preached the gospel, those that preached the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Bible says that there were those that got saved. In verse number 21, and the hand of the Lord was with them, and great number believed and turned unto the Lord. So we're seeing here salvation, we're seeing conversion, we're seeing converts, if you would. In verse number 22, the Bible says, then tidings of these things came unto the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas, that he should go as far as Antioch, who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad and exhorted them all, that which purpose of, uh, purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith, and much people was added unto the Lord. Verse 25, then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. For to seek Saul. And when they had found him, he brought him in, unto Antioch, and it came to pass that a, while, uh, that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Father, we do thank you again for the time and the privilege we have to meet. 
or thank you for the Sunday School Hour in this series on real Christianity, specifically as we look at this topic this morning, the first real Christians understanding what a Christian is. And, and even in this sense this morning, understanding the, uh, the path that has been plowed and been labored over and the sacrifice that has been made so that we could even call ourselves Christians today, that we could hold the Word of God in our hands and not be ashamed. We could take a stand just like the early Christians did back in the first century. Lord, help us this morning to cleave unto you. Help us to draw closer to you. Lord, meet our needs as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. In our last study last week, we looked at the life of Peter, and specifically, uh, we looked at Jesus' interaction with Peter right after resurrection. And so, for the sake of time, we're not going to spend a lot of time going back, but we know this, that Peter, after Christ died, after he died on the cross of Calvary, after he was buried in the tomb, we know that Peter said, I go, I go a fishing. We know that Peter went back with the other disciples, he went back fishing, uh, he went back to his old lifestyle, if you would, and almost in a sense that Peter and the other disciples looked at everything that was going on, looked at Christ, looked at what took place upon the cross of Calvary, listened to the mocking and the ridicule of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious rulers of the day, and thought, man, how in the world could the Son of God die and just be gone and be absent? But we know this in studying Scripture that Jesus rose again, praise the Lord. We know that he rose again. We know the tomb's empty. We sing about it. Uh, we, we have an empty tomb we can physically see. Uh, some, of, some people in our church have physically been to that empty tomb. And so we see these things, and we know these things, and we know this, that Jesus not only rose from the dead, but the Bible tells us this, that Jesus appeared to many before he even ascended back up to heaven. In Acts chapter number 1, verse number 3, turn over there real quick, Acts chapter number 1, and in verse number 3. Notice what the Bible says here. The Bible says this in Acts chapter number 1, verse number 3. It says, To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs. Who's the, who's the Bible talking about here? Well, obviously it's talking about Jesus. Notice what it says. To whom also he showed himself alive. Well, alive, somebody who was dead and he came alive. He's showing himself, hey, I'm alive. I'm not dead anymore. I'm alive. He's, the Bible says, after his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse number 6, the Bible tells us this. After that, he was seen of about 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. So we know this this morning, that after Christ died on the cross of Calvary, after he was buried, after he was in the tomb three days, he rose again. But it wasn't just the fact that Jesus rose again, it was the fact that Jesus not only rose again, but that he remained for 40 days upon earth. And that he was seen of 500 at one point in time. That he was seen of his disciples. That he had that interaction with Peter on the seashore. He said, Peter, uh, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Feed my lambs. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Listen, there was an interaction between Jesus and Peter. And Jesus and the disciples. And, Peter, uh, sorry, and Jesus and many others that saw what was taking place. You say, Brother Andrew, why, what's the big deal about all this? Well, we're kind of building up to a point here this morning about the first real Christians. So in other words, we could say it like this. In other words, we could say it like this. There is a ton of indisputable data. I mean, that's a big word that we hear nowadays, the data. We need to, we need to Brother Andrew, we've got to talk about the data. What is the data? You know, we're not going to make a decision based upon popular opinion. We're not going to base a, base a decision upon the economy. We're not going to base a de- decision upon what makes sense. No, no, we're going to base a decision upon the data. So if we look at the data that we find within Scripture, if we want to go that route, we look at the data that we find in Scripture, we find this, that Jesus Christ, yes, lived a perfect sinless life, that Jesus Christ, yes, died upon the cross, 
That yes, Jesus Christ was buried in a tomb, but at the same time, Jesus Christ rose again. But not only did he rise again, but the Bible teaches us, and it shows us here in this passage of Scripture that we're looking at this morning, that it wasn't just the fact that he rose again, but that he rose again and continued to minister and have that relationship with Peter and the disciples and many others who saw him after his resurrection. So in thinking about this, we've got to understand that there is, an, there is a multitude of evidence that shows us that Jesus Christ rose again. That he was, listen, that he wasn't just in the tomb one day and gone the next day. No, no, he rose again the third day, but that he continued that relationship. He stayed on earth for 40 more days, showing himself to more than 500. He prepared and commissioned his followers. He taught them what to do after he was gone. He gave them a mission to fulfill and a love to express and a hope to hold on to. Then he went back to heaven. Look at Acts chapter, Acts chapter number one. Let's keep going here. Acts chapter number one. Uh, look at verse number four. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. So Jesus, obviously, he had a desire. He had a desire to see the ministry continue on. He had a desire to see Christianity, if you would, uh, in, its, in its truest form, continue on. But he wasn't going to stay here on earth. No, he's going to go back to his father. The point is this, is that there's tons, of inf- there's tons of data or there's tons of firsthand experience of Jesus Christ, not only his life, not only his death, not only his resurrection, but can I say it like this, his life after resurrection. You see, there were those that saw Jesus Christ. They saw the nail prints uh, in his hands. They saw the piercing of his side. They saw all those things that went on. Listen, and here's what it did. It confirmed in their heart, it confirmed in their life, listen, he's more than just a man. He's God-man, amen? He's more than just somebody who was perfect. He was more than just a teacher. He was more than just a rabbi. He was more than just somebody who performed miracles. No, no, no. We're talking about Jesus Christ, God's son. We're talking about God in flesh, and, and we're talking about somebody who exactly what he preached, man, he lived it. He lived it. So go over, let's go to Acts chapter number two. Let's kind of fa- go back just a little bit from Acts chapter number 11. And look, kind of look let's take a, 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 see a picture here of what's taking place. In Acts chapter number 2, we, we find this in verse number 41. The Bible says this, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. Well, Brother Andrew, hold up here. I, I, I'm, just, I'm just coming in on Sunday school, or I, I haven't been at church, or I don't have my Bible in my hand. What, what's going on here? Well, in Acts chapter number 1, we read the story there where Jesus Christ tells the disciples that the Holy Spirit, that God's going to send the Holy Spirit uh, to indwell the disciples as, as he leaves and goes back to his father. And in Acts chapter number two, we have what's called the day of Pentecost. And the day of Pentecost, listen, can I just, just, just put out this disclaimer right now? The day of Pentecost is not the beginning of the church. It's not the, first, it's not the, it's not the day the church began. No, 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 it's not. Listen, before the day of Pentecost, there had to be the church. And the church was established with Jesus Christ while he was here on earth. But that's a totally different Sunday school lesson we don't have time to get into this morning. But here at the day of Pentecost, Peter preaches in Jerusalem. Look what the Bible says, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day there were added unto them, added unto them, about 3,000 souls. So before you have to add onto something, there has to be something there. So I'll give you, I'll give you an illustration. I'll give you an illustration. <clears throat> and we'll make, we'll make it a personal illustration. Uh, for most of us, for most of us, uh, we pay taxes, right? We pay taxes. So every year we pay taxes, and, 
And actually, honestly, every week we pay taxes. Whenever we get our paycheck, we pay taxes, Social Security tax, Medicare, state tax, federal tax, whatever the case is. And so every year, every year we have to file our taxes. And so every year we have to sit down and we have to do our taxes for the year, get our giving statements and our 401k contributions or you know, we've we got to make sure we have all the kids' names, Social Security numbers. I mean, we need those deductions, right? Can I get an amen right there? I mean, we got to have all these things lined on out. got to have all these things lined on out. And so we don't, think, we don't think too much of it at the time that we're doing it. Until probably a couple of weeks ago. Oh, it got real quiet. Until probably a couple of weeks ago when the President of the United States said, hey, we're going we're gonna to send out stimulus checks. And your stimulus check is going to be based upon your tax and what you paid or your, how you filed your tax 2018 and 2019. And man, then all of a sudden we're like, man, did I get all my deductions right? Did I mean, did I file it right? We're, we're just thinking, man, okay. So let's fast forward a couple weeks. And, and we get that stimulus check. Now listen, in order for us to get that stimulus check, there was a couple things that had to take place. Uh, number one, we had to file our taxes. Uh, number two, we had to have an active bank account or a way for them to get us the check. You say, where are you getting at, Brother Andrew? In order for us to get the stimulus, there had to be some things already established. There had to be some, a bank account established, a place of residence established, our taxes already filed, every, everything's got to be there. You can't just walk into America and go, hey, bless God, President Trump, I just want a check, give me a check. It don't work like that. So let's go back here to Acts, and the Bible says this, follow me here. It says in verse number 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So how do you add unto something that's not already established, is what I'm getting at. In order for those people, those 3,000 souls, to be added unto them, them already had to be established. Them already had to be established. So let's, let's go back to our, our illustration here for a second. So if I didn't file my taxes in 2018 and I didn't file my taxes in 2019, I probably don't get a stimulus check, at least not right now. Everybody else is getting theirs, I don't. The church already had to be established in order to add unto them already. Now look at verse number 42. It says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. So here's here's the amazing thing. The Bible tells us this, that as Peter was preaching, there were 3,000 that got saved, 3,000 that were added to them. 3,000 that were added into the church. But notice what the next verse says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. So not only were they added, but they were discipled and instructed, and they continued steadfastly, listen, on what was already established and what the apostles or the disciples were already doing. So the church already had to be established at this point in the passage of Scripture. So here we have this taking place in Acts chapter number 2. But one of the things I think sometimes when we read this passage, we often overlook is the magnitude of what's taking place. Because at this point in time, in Acts chapter number 2, we know this, that Jesus has already died, he's already been uh, betrayed, we already know that he's been falsely accused, we already know he's died on the cross, he's already been buried, rose again, and now he's already ascended back up to heaven. So we're not talking about years down the road. (laughs) We're not talking about uh, decades down the road that this is taking place in Acts chapter number 2. No, 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 we're talking about about a span of, of just probably, most likely just a couple of weeks of all this that was going on in Jerusalem with Jesus and all this that was going on with, with Pilate and with the Sadducees and the Pharisees, we're talking about just a couple weeks later, man, we're here in Acts chapter number 2 with Peter and 3,000 people are getting saved. You say, well, what are you getting at, Brother Andrew? 
the, the, the things that are going on in the world as far as with the Roman government has not changed. No, no, no. It's not like Jesus died, buried, rose again, was on earth for another 40 days, uh, met with his disciples, commissioned them, ascended back to heaven, and then all of a sudden Romans are no more. No, no, no. The Romans are still here. The government is still here. So what does that mean, Brother Andrew? That means the Sadducees and the Pharisees are still here. So they're hearing all the murmurings and the rumors and all the, the things that he, supposedly Jesus did after he rose again. So we've got to realize this, that the Roman authorities and the Jewish religious leaders were still, listen, were still out to discredit Jesus Christ. They're still out to uh, bring persecution. And listen, it's getting, it's getting ready to ramp up. But here's the thing that happens. In Acts chapter number 2, the Bible tells us that 3,000 were saved. Go over to Acts chapter number 4. Let's, see, let's, let's kind of follow the trend here, if you would. Uh, in Acts chapter number 4, notice what the Bible says in verse number 1. And as they spake unto the people, the priest, and the captain of the temple, and the Sadducees came upon them, being grieved that they taught the people, and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Listen, here it is. Uh, the, the disciples are preaching. We see 3,000 get saved in Acts chapter number 2. We go a couple chapters further into uh, Acts chapter number 4. And, and, and the preaching's still going on. Preaching's still going on. The gospel's still being given. And all of a sudden, here's the religious leaders, the rulers, if you would, and they're not too happy. Look what the, verse number two says. Being grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead. Verse three, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now even in tide. Notice what verse four says. Here's what I want us to see. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. The number of the men, the number of the men was about 5,000. So picture this, here's, here's Peter in Acts chapter 2, he's preaching the day of Pentecost, 3,000 get saved. 3,000 get saved and added unto the church. And the Bible says not only did they get saved, but that they were baptized. They were willing to, to take that public, listen, to make that public and say, listen, I'll, I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. So understand this, and the Bible teaches us really clearly here, that baptism has nothing to do with salvation other than a public identification that I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You don't read that 3,000 people were baptized and then added into the church. You don't read that. But because of their salvation, because they got saved, they were baptized. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Now fast forward two chapters in Acts chapter number four, and you read this. Look what the Bible says, verse four. Howbeit many of them which heard the word. Now, I, this is just, just kind of just a thought, how I'm thinking here. It says, howbeit many of them which heard the word. If you just stopped right there, how many is many? Like, we got many people in church today. How many is many? I, it's less than 10. It's less than 10. Don't judge. It's less than 10. But how many is many? Look at it. Verse 4. How be it many of them which heard the word believe? So I'm thinking, I'm thinking, man, maybe, maybe 100. I mean, maybe, at, Brother Joe, maybe 1,000. I mean, come on, there's 3,000 at Pentecost. Let's keep reading verse 4. Look what it says. And the number of the men was about 5,000. About 5,000. Just think about that for a second. Here you have Peter preaching in Acts chapter number 2, 3,000. Acts chapter number 4, you have 5,000. The Bible says just the men, 5,000. You following a trend here? Here's the trend. The gospel's being preached, and truth is being preached, and, 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 and salvation is being preached, in its, listen, in its entirety. And, and the word of God is getting, is getting out into the community Here's what's happening. People are believing. People are believing. 
But it doesn't stop there in Acts chapter number 4. Look at Acts chapter number 6. Let's keep going in the book of Acts here. Acts chapter number 6. Look at verse number, verse number 7. Verse number 7. The Bible says, And the word of God increased, and the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. And a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. 3,000. 5,000. What does the Bible say there? And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. You see, there's one thing about the Word of God. It's truth. And you cannot, listen, you cannot dispute truth. You cannot, you can, you can argue all day long and you want to argue, listen, that's not true, that's not true, that's not true. But when confronted with the truth, it's truth. And so here's what happened. People through, throughout, listen, for years and years and years had been listening to the religious leaders of the day and they had the Roman influence and that worldly, ungodly influence of the Roman Empire and all those things going on. Listen, people just want truth. And can I say this this morning, that there are still people today in 2020 that simply want just the truth. Just the truth. Listen, they don't want CNN or Fox News or Facebook or Twitter or any of that stuff. They just want truth. And so here's what takes place. The Word of God is preached. Uh, the Gospel is given. And people are like, that is truth. That is truth. That is truth. And so here the truth is preached. The truth is given. And so what takes place, Brother Andrew? Well, between Acts chapter number 1 and here in Acts chapter 6, chapter number 7, even getting into our text in Acts chapter number 11, it's almost as if like this, it's just like it's a raging wildfire through Judea. I mean, could you imagine being back in Bible times at that time? Could you imagine just kind of walking down the road and listening to the conversation of people and, and, and going to Jerusalem and going to Antioch and going to some of these places and hearing, listen, and hearing about Jesus Christ? Could you imagine just walking through the, the cities on the sea and the shore of Galilee and just kind of listening into what's taking place in the marketplace and, and, and meeting individuals who could give this testimony. Yeah, yeah, yes, I, I was a maniac and I was in the tombs or, or, or I was lame or I was blind and this man by the name of Jesus of Nazareth and, and, and I was there at the cross or, or I saw him, I saw him, uh, I was one of the 500. Whatever the case is, people are hearing the truth and it's moving them to make a decision about Jesus Christ. You see, the Roman authorities and Jewish re- rulers scrambled to stump out the fire with aggressive action. Oppression and persecution poured out upon the new followers of Jesus Christ. Here's some examples. Arrests, false accusations, fake trials, torture, imprisonment, beating, stoning, beheadings. We talked a little bit about Stephen uh, beginning of the Sunday school hour who was stoned to death and more were meted out against uh, fury and just publicly against believers, against Christians. So how did, how did Christianity spread But more importantly, let's say it like this. How do we know that it is legitimately the truth of God? I mean, really, we're talking about real Christianity. Talking about a relationship, not a religion. So how do we know, how do we know that the Bible we hold in our hands is legitimately the truth of God? How do we know that when we come to church and we're able to meet, that we're hearing the truth? How do we know that the accounts given in the book of Acts are even true? I mean... I wasn't there. I mean, Brother Joe, were you there? I mean, Brother Jackson, were you there? No, no, we weren't there. So how do we know it's the truth? So this morning, and maybe into tomorrow, into next Sunday morning, it just depends how far we get, I'm going to try to answer that question with actually three more questions. Three more questions. So point number one this morning. Let's answer this question 
of how do we know it's the truth by asking three questions. And here's the first question we're going to ask. If you got your hand out or if you're just taking notes, here's the first question we're going to ask. Would you die for your own lie? Would you die for your own lie? It seems like the first disciples would have turned back, doesn't it? I mean, let's just think about this for a second. Let's kind of take a step back. It would seem like if it was just a lie, like if the, the truth of Jesus Christ, the truth of God, and the truth of the Word of God, the truth of the Gospel, the truth of the cross, the burial, the resurrection, uh, if that was just a lie, it, we would assume that the disciples would be like, Okay, that's great. Time to move on. Time to move on. Time to move on. You know, growing up, uh, growing up, I was the oldest of seven. I was the oldest of five boys. And so, you know, let's just be honest. Sometimes with boys and brothers, uh, you do things that, you know, mom and dad don't really approve of or like or get in a little bit of trouble. And I will, I will, I will say that there was times where mom and dad asked me, Andrew, did you do this? And I would say, No. And I would totally lie. Totally lie, Brother Joe. I'm, not, I'm just, I know it's, I'm just confessing this morning in Sunday school. I totally lie. Dad would walk in and say, hey, son, did you do this? Or did you say this? And normally it was, it was kind of like this. Hey, did you do this to your brother? Did you do this to your brother? I know, Dad, no. I would, I'm the oldest. I'm perfect. I'd never do that kind of stuff to my little brother. Wait till, nah. Listen, we'd lie. And so here's, here's the mindset. Sometimes we, we lie, and we know this, we teach our kids this, you always got to tell another lie to cover up that lie. And so the lying continues. But you know, there's come some times where we lie, and here's what we think. Man, I hope they never realize the truth. Right? I'm going to say a lie. I'm gonna, no, Dad, I never did that. They, 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 my brother, must be lying. And then we hope and pray that nothing ever gets said and we move past it. If the disciples had that mindset, listen, if the disciples had the mindset of, and, it, and, and this, what we believe, what we've been teaching the last couple of weeks about Jesus Christ, if that was a lie, they would have simply moved on. There'd, there'd be no need, Brother Joe, for the book of Acts. There'd be no need for Paul and the stories of the Apostle Paul being saved on the road to Damascus. There'd no, be no need for the book of Revelation. If it was all a lie, the disciples would have just simply moved on. They were already in their fishing boats. They were back doing business. And Jesus showed up and said, hey, listen, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Why would they go back to a dead Jesus? More so, why would they go back and die for a dead Jesus? Why would so many thousands of people, thousands of people believe just in the first couple of chapters of the book of Acts? Why would so many people believe this? Well, how could so many first century minds buy into something so impossible if it wasn't true? Unless the evidence was there. Unless there was enough evidence to convince those there, that's truth. Unless there was enough undeniable evidence that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. Unless there was enough undeniable evidence from the other apostles and the other disciples and the other hundreds that saw Jesus Christ. And, and, and even those that that the, the miracles were performed on, and those that were blind but now had sight, those that were lame but now able to walk, those that were possessed but were now free. Listen, we're talking about thousands of people that Jesus ministered to, thousands of people that saw the feeding of the 5,000, thousands of people, listen, that were able to, to receive uh, salvation the day of Pentecost and then uh, go on. And, and 
We see all these things. There's got to be enough evidence to prove the validity of who Jesus Christ was. So there's got to be some evidence. So here's letter A. Here's, here's some of the evidence. How about this? The transformed disciples. The disciples that were transformed. Consider this. As the persecution came to these thousands of early followers, they didn't forsake their story. They didn't turn back to their old way of life. They didn't return to their old beliefs. I'll just kind of let you in on a little secret here. As you, as you read the book of Acts, you don't read that Peter uh, has a relapse, if you would, and says, you know what, Philip and Thomas and Matthew and Mark, Luke, I, you know, I just, it's not worth it anymore. I, I'm going to go back a fishing again. But Peter, you don't understand. You did that once and, and Jesus confronted you. Remember what he said, Peter? Yes, I know what he said. Lovest thou me? Yes, I know, I know. I can, I can. You don't read that in the book of Acts. You don't find that anywhere else after that one passage of Scripture. You don't find that later on in Peter's life. You don't read that in First and Second Peter. You don't see that. You don't see Peter going back to his old ways, his old way of life. Not only, uh, uh, they not only fled, uh, fled for their lives, but they also fueled, they were also fueled for their faith. Oh, look at Acts chapter number 5. Look at Acts chapter number 5. Let's look at a passage of Scripture here, verse number 40. Acts chapter number 5 and in verse number 40. The Bible says this, And to him they agreed... And when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So here's the, the apostles, if you would, and, and they're preaching the gospel. They're giving the gospel out to, to the society. They're, they're, they're proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us in verse number 40 that they were beaten. They were beaten. Man, could, could we say this morning this, that you know, if we were to come to Riverside Baptist Church and meet for Sunday school or for the morning service, like, you know, we don't think too much about it. You say, what do you mean, Brother Andrew? We just kind of get in our vehicle, start it up, and drive into church. We don't think about, listen, we don't think about pulling up in the parking lot and a bunch, of, a bunch of people standing outside with clubs or with sticks or whatever beating us as we're coming in the door. We don't think about maybe the persecution that uh, these early Christians went through. But notice what it says in verse 40. And, they, and, and to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So picture this. Here's the apostles, here's the disciples. They're preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel, preaching the gospel. And man, you would think, brother, they're, they're, man, the, the gospel, man, that's good stuff. People are getting saved, we're seeing thousands saved, getting added into the church. Man, God's moving. Whack, whack, and you, st you just get beaten. And here's the charge laid against them. Look at the latter part of verse number 40 that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they're beaten. Beaten. I'm sure they're not just beaten like just a little... No, I'm sure they're beaten. And then they're told this, listen, no more. And I, I could only imagine right here, and I know it doesn't say, it's just kind of use your imagination a little bit. I could almost say something, I could almost picture it like this, is that as those were walking away, say, them saying something like this, like, you know, next time it's going to be even worse. Next time, we're not going to just beat you. We're, we're going to take your life. We're tired of this. We're done with this. No more. Don't say anything more about Jesus Christ. I mean, that, that's the reality of what's taking place. Can I say this too, that this is a reality that's taking place, not just in Acts chapter number 5, but even in today's society. There are Christians around this world that are being persecuted, being physically beaten for their stand for Christ. But look at verse number 41. And they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Man, bless God, I'm just, 
suffering for Jesus. Brother Joe, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Brother Joe walks into church. Hey, Brother Andrew, how you doing? Bless God, Brother Joe. Just suffering for the Lord. Man, I'm just suffering for Jesus. Brother Philip, you, man, man, God's so good. I'm just suffering. I'm just suffering. No, 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 no. No, no. That's not their mentality. Watch, watch. And they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And then notice this. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. It was almost like this. Man, praise the Lord, we got beat. Let's go preach some more. No, 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 no. Listen, we're talking about real Christianity here. We're not talking about this fake, God loves you, Heath. God just wants you to find that inner. No, 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 no. We're talking about persecution, uh, beating, uh, barely breathing, probably bloodied up and swollen and black eyes and, you know, beaten to a pulp and being told, hey, listen, you do this again, you're going to die. You do this again, we're going to shock you up. You do this again, man, no telling what's going to happen. We won't stop, maybe next time. And it's like the disciples were like, man, praise the Lord, let's keep doing this. No, 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 listen, listen. We're kind of in the summit, like sometimes we have that woe is me mentality where it's like, man, I just, I just need God's grace. I just need God's mercy. Man, I'm going through a storm. I'm going through a trial. When is this going to get over? No, no, no. Sometimes we go through those things so that we can look to God and we can say, God, praise your name. Thank you for the storm. Thank you for the trial. Man, I just want to keep, I want to be faithful. I want to stay the stuff. I want to stay the course. Man, how many preachers and how many pastors' wives and how many deacons, how many church members have been through major storms and major struggles in their life and they've been through some hard things and the world's thrown things at them and the devil's thrown things at them. And can I say this? Maybe even our brothers and sisters in Christ have done things to them, but they have stayed the course. They've stayed the stuff. And here the Bible tells us this in the latter part of this chapter, that the disciples said, man, bless God. I can't even believe, man, we got beat for the cause of Christ. Man, we are so unworthy. But we're going to keep preaching. We're not going to stop. Man, you want to talk about real Christianity? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We're about real Christianity. No, no, no. We're not talking about Christianity when it's convenient. We're talking about real Christianity. Listen, we're talking about real Christianity when you're tired, when you've worked long hours at work, when you're not feeling well, when you've got everything else going on. No, no, no. We're talking about real Christianity. The disciples, they, were, listen, they weren't the same disciples. No, 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 no. They were transformed. And they said, hey, bless God. I'm going to live my Christianity. I'm going to live my life. I'm going to do exactly what I want. Look at what God wants me to do. Look at verse number 42. And daily in the temple. Man, we don't, we don't see it very often uh, anymore. But man, back in the day, there used to be a lot of like street preaching. You know, uh, people standing out in the corner and just preaching the gospel. And not just like, God loves you. God has a plan for your life. If you would just turn to him. No, no, it's more like, bless God, you're a sinner in need of a savior. Bless God, you're living in your sin. You're living in your rebellion. Get your heart right. You're going to burn in hell. Man, listen, we had all kinds of that going on, and not just in America, but even in other countries. And so the disciples are like this. Mm, you know what? We're going to go, listen, we're going to go into the belly, if you would, of the beast. We're going to go into the temple. And we're going to say it like this. Um, why are you doing this religious act? Why are you doing this, this thing that you feel like, this, this, this religious outward experience? No, 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 no. You don't understand. Jesus Christ has already paid for your sin. Jesus Christ has already forgiven you of your sin. What do you mean? Listen, come with, I, I want to show you. I want to tell you what God can do in your life, what God wants to do, what God's already done in your life. 
And the Bible tells us that it wasn't just the temple, but the Bible also says in that portion of Scripture that at the houses as well. They cease not. They cease not. Look at that verse, verse number uh, 42 again. And daily, daily in the temple. Brother Andrew, it's Sunday. Okay, it's Sunday. It's 1020. Man, Sunday school hour. Check. And 1045, morning service. Check. Okay, no more church till Wednesday night. No, 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 no. That's how some Christians are. Or, or sometimes it's like this. Okay, I, I, I've got to do my religious duty. I've got to do my, my religious act. I've got to do my religious thing. I've got to do my, my thing so I feel, make myself feel good. No, no, look what the Bible says. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They weren't like, man, Brother Philip, we just got beat. And then we were told, we were told not to preach Jesus anymore. It was almost like I could almost picture Peter and the other apostles being like, game on. Let's do this. Let's go. Right, Brother Joe? I mean, come on. You've got you to look at the... I, I don't see them wallowing and in, 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 in hiding. No, no, no. Remember when Jesus Christ was betrayed in the garden, what happened? The Bible tells us that they all forsook him and fled. They all just disappeared. No, no. You're talking about a change in what they believe and what truth will do. Listen, truth will change you. And the truth changed the disciples so much so that they said, hey, bring on the beatings. Bring it on. Bring on the imprisonment. It don't matter because you know what? We're going to preach and teach Jesus Christ. Listen, can I say this? That is real Christianity. It's real Christianity. You see, Christianity is more than a body of beliefs. It's a risen body that leads us to God and his body of truth. It's all about Jesus Christ. Notice what verse 42 says, the latter part. They cease not to preach and teach Jesus Christ. I find that very interesting. Because they don't say this, they cease not to teach and preach doctrine. They cease not to teach and preach a church. Or they cease not to teach and preach a religion. No, no, no. They cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Which leads me to this thought. My Christianity and my belief as a Christian, or the title, if you would, of being a Christian, revolves around one person and one person only, and that is Jesus Christ. If this morning my thought of Christianity is, well, I'm a Christian because I go to this church, or I'm a Christian because my grandparents were, or I'm a Christian because I was baptized, or I'm a Christian because anything other than Jesus Christ, you're missing the definition. You're not really a Christian. But notice this letter B there, an unlikely convert. An unlikely convert. <clears throat> You know, as we go through the book of Acts, and, and I know we're getting close to being done here, we're definitely not going to get this all covered this morning, but as we get into the book of Acts, you read through Acts chapter number 6 and chapter number 7, you read the stories of what the early church went through and what Peter and the other apostles went through to give, to give the gospel out. You're introduced in Acts chapter number 8 to an interesting individual. No, turn over to Acts chapter number 8. <clears throat> Between Acts chapter number 6 and Acts chapter number 8, we read the story of Stephen's death. We read the story of Stephen's stoning and the stand that he took. I'd encourage you when you have time, not during the morning service, like after the morning service. Uh, <laughs> I'd encourage you, yeah, don't get on Facebook while pastors preach. You're like, man, I read, I read Acts chapter number 7. Man, Don't do that. Just wait till after the morning service. Go back and read the account of Stephen. Go back and read. Listen, go back and read. And in your mind, if you would, Think about what Stephen did. Think about the stand that Stephen took for the gospel.
But as you get into Acts chapter number 8, we read and we're introduced to an individual by the name of Saul. Verse 1, the Bible says, And Saul was consented, or sorry, consenting unto his death, speaking about Stephen. Saul was there. Saul was, Saul, listen, Saul heard everything that Stephen said. I, I don't believe that like Stephen was over here doing what he was doing for the cause of Christ, and then Saul was over here just kind of, no, 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 no. I be, listen, I believe, I believe that even at this point in time, Saul's heart was already starting to get soft. And it says, and at that time there was great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church. I think that's a very interesting word God uses right there. Look what the Bible says, verse number three. As for Saul, he made havoc. It's not a word we we, we read, we use very often. But he made havoc of the church, entering into every house, and hailing men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So let's kind of look at this for a second here. Look at letter B there, the unlikely convert. His name is Saul. As if the story couldn't get any more intense, another bizarre turn of events takes place within the religious, religious structure, if you would. This man by the name of Saul, who in Acts chapter number 8, the beginning part of Acts chapter number 8, we read that he was there at Stephen's death. We know that he consented to it. He, he basically, if you would, gave his stamp of approval. But we know this, that Saul was entering into houses. And as I was reading this this week, I was thinking about uh, Saul, and as Saul would enter into the house, and you'd see a husband and a wife and a family, maybe they were praying, or maybe they were reading, and they were talking about God and talking about Jesus Christ and what Jesus had done. And in my mind, I'm picturing Saul burst through the door with some guards and, 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 and taking the mother and the dad and separating them and, and basically just smacking the kids around and hauling them off and separating families, destroying homes, and sending the parents to prison. And, I, and here's, what, here's what Saul would say. Man, uh, living for Jesus, living for God. Listen, living for, not necessarily God, living for Jesus, this, this so-called Messiah, not worth it, not worth it, not worth it. But an interesting thing takes place in Saul's life. In chapter number 9 of the book of Acts, we were introduced to Saul again. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest. So now no longer is Saul coming into the home and separating men and women and, going into, and sending them into prison. Uh, it's kind of escalated a little bit, Brother Joe, because the Bible says this, Saul breathed out threatenings and slaughter. Slaughter, slaughter, killing him, killing him. Against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any, uh, any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound into Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest, it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. We're out of time this morning, but we know this. We know that Saul, who we now know as Paul, gets saved. This interaction here in Acts chapter number 9, we know this, that he gets saved on the road to Damascus. So here you have the disciples. Follow me here. Here you have the disciples, Peter, James, John, uh, Thomas. Yeah, you have all these disciples. Man, they're preaching. They're teaching. Acts chapter number 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. Uh, you see all these people saved, the church added unto, and seeing the gospel go out. 
Then you see, listen, then you see persecution set in. Then you see persecution set in on the church and the believers and the disciples. Guess what? The gospel's still going out. People are still getting saved. People are still being reached by the gospel. But then in Acts chapter number 9, there's a man who's, listen, whose goal in life is to stamp out, stamp out Jesus Christ, stamp out this following of Jesus Christ, this religious following, if you would. And he meets God on the road to Damascus, and his life is forever changed. Forever changed. You see, when confronted with the truth, it'll change you. It'll change you. Now, a lot of times we look at Christianity, we look at being a Christian, we look at it as a label and as a title. Hey, are you a Christian? Yes, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. I have a quote written in the front page of my Bible, and it says this. I heard a preacher say it years and years ago. He says this. He goes, if what you believe in hasn't changed you, change what you believe in. Listen, I'm thankful this morning that when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, June 10th, 1991, that he changed me. And here's the amazing thing, Brother Joe. He's still changing me. He's still changing me. Listen, the truth of God, the truth of who Jesus Christ is, the truth of Christianity is this. We'll be done this morning. We'll finish out the lesson next week. It changes you. It changes you. Father, we thank you again for the time that we've had to be able to be around your word. Lord, thank you for this study about real Christianity. And I know we just dived into lesson number three this morning, looking at the, real, uh, the, the first real Christians, the first Christians. We've got more to cover next week. But Lord, I'm thankful for the men and the women who in that early century, that first century, Lord, faced persecution, that faced beatings and enslavement and, and killing and stoning, Lord, just so that they could get the gospel out. Makes me realize this morning that on April 19, 2020, that if I'm not careful, I take my faith and I take my relationship, my walk with you for granted. Lord, I haven't been persecuted or beaten or thrown in jail because I preach the gospel or because I even read my Bible or I pray or, or I claim myself to be a Christian. But to think about these early believers back in Bible times, Lord, in the book of Act times that were faithful, Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us that when we see the truth, and when the truth is given before us, Lord, that we'll recognize it, we'll act upon it. Lord, we pray for this uh, preaching hour to come. Pray that you give Pastor liberty as he preaches. Lord, thank you for all those that have watched on Facebook and on YouTube. Lord, I pray that you bless them and encourage them this weekend. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.